Good evening, everybody. We are here today at the 39th? 30, 39th session, yeah. Okay, 39th session. session of the Q&A, and today is the last day of October. And uh, all of us here in India, we're not wishing you a happy Halloween. It's not a happy day. It's a terrible day. <laughs> okay, if you're a believer, stay out from all of those. Don't open doors. Man. Okay, these are all occult festivals. Just stay out of it. Don't get your children into it. Otherwise, one day costumes will become real. Hmm. So, it's better to be safe than to be sorry. Uh, end of the month. Tomorrow, a new day begins. Uh, absolutely new shift is going to take place starting tomorrow. And everybody is like waiting with bated breath which way things are going to turn. Nobody seems to be 100% sure. You can't even believe all the prophecies. One man will say, Jesus told me Trump is winning. Another man comes and says, Jesus told me Biden is winning. One man comes and says, if you vote Trump, you are evil. Another comes and says, if you vote Biden, you are evil. So, there's total confusion. But we pray, we look at the platforms that I said, don't look at the individuals, look at the platforms, what they are standing for, which values align with the kingdom of God, and then we take our call. Mm -hmm. So today, in our Q&A, we have interesting questions, not so tough questions. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow, I like also, November the 11th month, the first day is a Sunday. So we're beginning in the house of God. And our schedule also is changing from next month. We are going back to our old schedules in the sense we are starting our pastors' conferences again and our revival meetings in different places in the church, in the city. So we will also change our weekly meetings a little around. So welcome you all for today's Q&A and uh, GDC Hyderabad. Please come to church, bring your children, all your children, the little ones, the littlest ones, bring them all, and I guess you can come up for worship and then go downstairs for the Sunday school. And senior okay. citizens are still at home. Senior citizens, we are, we, you are the most vulnerable of the entire society when it comes to the COVID. So I would just say still be safe and be at home and watch us from far. That doesn't mean you are far. You're still near, okay? Amen. So God bless you. And Pastor Vijay, we can start with prayer. Father, we just want to thank you once again, Father. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for all these days of faithfulness, of of ministry, Father, from this place. We just want to thank you. We thank you, Father, for the harvest that was wrought. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Such an awesome God. Lord, even as, Lord, now we spend this next uh, few hours, oh Lord, with all these questions that your children have from all parts of the world, I pray, Father, that you'd grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Yes, Lord. Father, you are the answer, Lord. The spirit of the living God, he is the answer. Father, the anointing rest upon all of us this evening, O Lord. Teach us your ways, show us your paths. And Lord, um, Father, speak, answer the questions, and more importantly, answer, Father, every question, O Lord. Thank you, Father. We surrender ourselves into your hands, O Lord. Grant us wisdom, grant us direction, O Lord, and let your name be glorified through everything that we do. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, so this is a five-part question, Pastor. 
says, uh, why do some Pentecostals say Holy Ghost? Why do some say Holy Spirit? Okay, we'll stop with that too. The other three are like, you know, yes. two are connected. I mean, it, it, it's just, uh, it's just the same. I mean, it's, it's not a difficult question. Some places you say ghost, some places you say spirit. <laughs> Both actually. But it's one of the reasons people say spirit is also it is less scary. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we associate ghost also with ghosts. Okay, so spirit, uh, spirit becomes a little more calm. But primarily, basically, they both mean the same. They don't mean two different things. Okay, you have uh, different words uh, which mean the same thing in any language. So ghost and spirit means the same thing. So some people say Holy Ghost. That's the old KJV form, Holy Ghost. And they also, we also use, we are more comfortable by saying Holy Spirit because ghost, the association went with the, the apparitions people see in their dreams in the dark and, uh, no. So actually we had this issue <laughs> many years ago when we were at, uh, studying at IFLU and, uh, we had a, <laughs> Holy Spirit baptism session in the hostel. It was at the ladies' hostel. So a few of the girls got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But we didn't say Holy Spirit then. We said Holy Ghost then. Next day, there was panic among the Hindu girls because they all saw the ghost agaya, bhut agaya. <laughs> so we say Pavitra Atma. We don't say Pavitra Bhut. <laughs> okay? So you need to understand in uh, pagan cultures, a ghost in Hindi is translated also as Bhut. Bhut. Mm-hmm. But spirit is translated as Atma. Atma. Okay, so we don't say body, soul and ghost. Mm. Mm. We say body, body soul, soul and, and spirit. spirit. So yes. It's more comfortable to use the term spirit than to use the term ghost. But ghost was there. The Holy Ghost is what the old English term was. So it Basically means the same thing. These are not two different people, the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. But like, you know, because ghost also has a different connotation. Uh, so people are more comfortable using the term Holy Spirit. Hmm. Okay. Uh, why, why do some say baptize in Jesus' name? And some say baptize you in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. If all three are one, then why are we being so politically correct? The Bible is Holy Spirit led, no politics, no loopholes, so what is it? Okay, it is, uh, it's not politically correct. Let me explain to you. If you go to Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, 28, and then after that, Acts 2, 38. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit yes. On the day of Pentecost, you will see 40 days later or 50 days later, 40 days later, Peter said to them, they asked, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. This is where the actual confusion comes. And in the book of Acts, you will see constantly in whose name were you baptized. Hmm. 
Okay, you have to, you, who's baptism this? You have, then Paul will say you have to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And our confusion comes is because we don't understand the concept about name in the Bible. Mm. The name in the Bible is connected with somebody's nature, character, like the first name in the Bible is Adam, Adama, which means out of earth, or Eve, which means the mother of living, or the big name, Abraham, exalted father. Abraham, father of nations. Mm. Okay, so you need to understand that the name denotes something more than identification. Mm. Like now, Pastor Vijay is Vijay, whether he's victorious or defeated. <laughs> we identify it only to name. Santosh is Santosh, whether I'm happy or depressed. <laughs> it is only to identify that person from the rest of the crowd. Not. That is not what it is in the Bible. Mm. So when we use the term, when we use now, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew Yeshua. Now Yeshua means he saves. Mm. That's the meaning of Yeshua, he saves. Now when you have the name Jesus, what does it imply? He saves. That's the first promise in the new covenant. You shall name him Yeshua for he will save his people from their sins. Now if you look at his name in terms of his nature and work, the Father saves, the Son saves, the Holy Spirit saves. Yes, yes. Okay, salvation is the complete work of the triune God. Amen. God said, I did not see. So his right hand worked out the salvation. Mm. It's God's right hand, which is Jesus. Mm. And Jesus works out in the entire work of salvation, including his own work and his work in us through the Holy Spirit. Mm. Okay. So in Isaiah prophecy, his name is the everlasting Father. Mm. So when you look at it, also, when you look into names in terms of humanity, outside of God, when you look into names, uh, only created things actually have a name. Name will always denote a beginning and an end. Okay, so That is why when in Exodus 4, when Moses asks God, what is your name? God says, I am that I am. Mm-hmm. That's present continuous. I'm always there. I don't have a beginning or an end. Okay. And for us, he's the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and he's everlasting to everlasting. So these are different concepts for us who are caught in time. Mm-hmm. Because we have a beginning and we have an end. That's why we celebrate birthdays and God doesn't have a birthday. <laughs> okay, so celebrating Jesus' birthday is like, okay, he came into humanity, therefore he has a beginning. Mm-hmm. He has a beginning. He died on the cross, so there is an end. But before that and after that, he is the everlasting mm-hmm. father. He is the everlasting father. So we have to understand whether we baptize in the name of Jesus or whether we baptize in the name of, if you go back to Matthew 19, 28, 19, I want to look at that very carefully, how, how, how clear the scripture is. Okay, Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the names of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. No, it's a name. They have only one name. It's just only one name, yes. Only one name. It's not the names. The Father doesn't have another name. Mm. That's why Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Mm. They have only one name. When it comes to nature and character and purpose and work in humanity, they have only one name. What does the Father do? He saves. What does the Holy Spirit do? He, he saves. saves. What does Jesus do? He saves. He saves. All these three say, and we cannot have salvation without all three. Yes. Mm. We cannot have salvation without the Father. We cannot have salvation without the Son. We cannot mm. have salvation without the Holy Spirit. These three people Three 
of the triune God is involved in salvation. So if you ask in terms of nature, work, what is the Father's name? Yeshua. Yeshua, yes. What is the Holy Spirit's name? Yeshua. Yeshua, he saves. Mm. What is the Jesus' name? Yeshua. So whether you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, or whether you baptize, because there is a radical group which mm. will say if you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, you have to get rebaptized again. Mm. And they will go around and pick. That is legalism. You are not understanding the spirit of of the word of God. What is the truth here? What mm. is the spirit? No. Oh, you've been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It will not work because what was said in Matthew 28, 19 is overruled by Acts chapter 2, 38. No, no. there is no contradiction here. Whether you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or you've been baptized in the name of Jesus alone, it is valid if you are saved. Yeah. If you are not saved, saved. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you got baptized. Yes, you just had a nice bath, uh, bath mm-hmm. and they came out. Okay, So it does not matter. So please don't get confused about it and go get baptized again. You don't have to. Next question says, please explain the latter rain. Okay. I'm very confused about this. Is this a blessing? Well, the whole concept about the latter rain. First, uh, can I have Deuteronomy... Mm. 11.14, that is where the first concept comes from. This is God talking to Israel, okay? Talking about if they obey Him, if they follow Him. Because remember, the world, the primary world in the beginning, even today, before industrialization came in, the world was a agricultural, agricultural world. Yeah. So that is, you need food. You can you can walk and live, even if you don't have a car or a bike or machines or anything. Man did not have machines. Therefore, the greatest discovery of man in the beginning invention was a wheel. The wheel changed lives. People don't realize wheel changed lives. Okay? So the wheel, okay? But you could survive without a wheel. Mm. Okay? You could survive without a wheel. But you needed food. So the first thing was agriculture. Was agriculture. And that's why, and meat. Okay? So you have Abel the shepherd and Cain the farmer. The two professions, primary two professions, and both was connected with food. So you will say here, when it comes to Israel being an agricultural land, God's promise to them, everything was connected with water. Unlike uh, uh, Egypt, Egypt they had to take the water from the river and the mills and by foot press it and take it, but he says, you won't have to do anything, mm. I will send you rain in its season. And there was two these things. I will give you rain for your land in its season. The early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, in your new wine and your oil. The early rain was for the planting. The latter rain was what it brought it to fruition, okay, so that you can have your real harvest. Now, if you go further from there, in Job 29-23, Job will also talk about it. Now he's talking about, of course, uh, uh, a different context, but you can understand. They waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the, actually it is the latter Latter rain, rain. okay, latter rain, okay. You'll have many, I'm not getting into all of that. If you want to take the references, Proverbs 16, 15, Jeremiah 3, 3, okay, Jeremiah 5, 24, and now you'll go to Hosea, okay. In India, Hosea. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hosea. Mm-hmm. Hosea 6.3. Let us know 
let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. Mm. Okay, so now they are they are brought in there together. Now we shall go to Joel two twenty three. Now these are all messianic prophetic promises. Okay, Joel two twenty three. Be glad, the new children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. If mm. you read it in KJV, it will say he has given you the former rain moderately, <laughs> and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Mm? Yes. Zechariah 10.1 also says, Okay, Zechariah 10, 1 also says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. Okay, ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. field. Hmm. In the new covenant, James will talk about it. James 5 and verse 7. Okay, now we're talking about patience, waiting for the coming of the Lord. 5 and verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, hath long patience for it, until he receive the, the early, early and, and the latter rain. So we have this entire concept connected with earth, with rain, and the harvest. But we know the rain represents the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It represents the Holy Spirit. So we are not looking at the land. We are looking for a harvest because modern farming has changed completely that you can have an incredible harvest even without rain. So this is, Bible is not talking about here primarily. Of course, at the material level, physical level, it is talking about agriculture. But here spiritually, it is talking about the Holy Spirit. Mm. This is where this concept comes. That on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, it was a former rain. It was given only moderately. And in between, there have been times of seasons of outpouring. But there is a time reserved at the end where the former and the latter mm -hmm. rain will come together, mm -hmm. meaning it will be the kind of an overflow of the Holy Spirit like never seen before. And it would be just before the second coming of the Lord. Mm. And it says the first month, if you look at it, that was in uh, James, Joel 2.23. Okay, Joel 2.23. Mm. Be glad, ye children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. Mm. He will cause to come down for you the rain. He will cause, okay, the mm. former rain mm. and, and the, the latter, latter rain, rain in, in the, the first month. month. So the concept is that the first month is the beginning of the third millennium. Just before the third millennium begins, there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There would be a massive great awakening. There would be an ingathering. And then the reign of the Antichrist. Hmm. And then the millennium begins. So that is what we are waiting for. Okay, That's where this whole theology of the latter reign will come. They had the latter reign movement and all. People have called different movements at different times, including the Azusa revival and all that as the latter reign. But we also see it has come and it's been there for a season. It has gone. We have never seen a movement like the day of Pentecost, Pentecost. where it's went to the ends so of the, the world. world. Oh. We have never seen another movement like that. So there is, there is this expectation that God is such a kind God, such a 
merciful God and he knows the whole world is actually blinded, then in his mercy he will pour out his spirit one more time and there will be a kind of salvation like never before and then the end will come. Hmm. The end will come. So that is where, and the whole teaching is to prepare people. That's, that's where we saw, you know, open your mouth wide. You know, that Job is talking about the enemies, okay, but here he's talking about they open their mouth wide as for the rain. And if you go to Proverbs hmm? 16 and verse 15, Proverbs 16 and verse 15. The light of the king's face is life. And his favor is like the cloud of the latter. Super. Okay. <laughs> the light of the king's face is life. And we are talking about no king. We are mm-hmm. talking about Christ. The light of his face is life. And his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. Okay, latter rain. And that's what we are talking about. No? And we have a picture of it on Elijah bringing that rain down. It was not a shower. It was an outpouring of rain where he told Ahab, Run, mm-hmm. run, otherwise the rain will stop you, meaning the whole, I mean, they don't have tarred roads, okay, so it's all mud roads. He says, run, go before it comes, otherwise you won't reach home. The entire road will be flooded, it will be caked with mud, your chariot won't reach home, because that is the kind of shower God is going to send, when an entire nation in broken turns back to God and destroys the powers of darkness, evil represented by the prophets of Baal. The outpouring of rain that comes is unprecedented. And out out of that outpouring of the, there is an immediate reaction from the enemy, but uh, God restores his prophet and you have the Elisha generation rising up out of it. If you really understand Elisha rising up, it is a result of the outpouring of that rain. Okay, because he is now... Uh, is out with this 12 yoke of oxen. It's 12 yoke of mm. oxen. Okay, 12 is God's government. Mm. Okay, the yoke of oxen. And he's the one who is called. And he begins. So we look oh, at yeah. all these patterns in the Bible and we believe there's an outpouring which will result in an Elisha generation who rises as different from the Elijah. Elijah began very, 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 very well. And at the crucial moment, he ran. He ran. Okay, and then God restored him and he mentors Elisha. But when Elijah is gone and when Elisha begins, Elisha begins with victory. Mm. It never runs. Yes. It never runs, okay. When he comes out, you know, he's also scorned, he's also mocked, and he brings judgment. The Elisha generation will look the devil in the eye. They will not be moved, they will not be fearful people at all. They will be absolutely fearless, the Elisha generation. But it's all got to do with the Holy Spirit. All got to do with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Okay. That is the latter rain. I hope you understood. Keep preparing yourself. When it comes, if it comes, just open your mouth wide. Like Job said, and receive it. Okay? Open your mouth wide and I shall fill it with? Good things. The best you can get is the anointing. Mm, Hallelujah. Not chicken legs, okay? (laughs) Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay. We'll go to question number nine. Because it's kind of, I think, uh, st- uh, renders itself. We are such fickle people. How do I get rid of this fickle heart? The Lord has done so much for us that our salvation is sure in Christ Jesus. Will he begin to build and then fail to finish with such a fickle mind? He could stop building in our lives, right? See, uh, when you use the term 
fickle actually means swayed easily by opinions okay it is a process but if you want to if you if you want to stop being fickle minded fickle minded the term fickle is always used with the mind fickle minded is the actual term meaning a fickle mind the see there are <coughs> three words that is used like you no know, facts faith feelings when you're talking about facts we are not talking about the facts in the world the facts that is shown to us by the word of god we call it truth okay your mind has to focus on that mind has to focus on that out of that comes your faith and into that you invest your feelings <coughs> people who are fickle minded have invested in feelings mm. invested in feelings okay you can be absolutely sure if somebody is fickle minded they are very big on feelings the feelings will sway them feelings will sway them it does not matter how much of the word they know their feelings are in the front if your feelings are in the front you will always will be fickle minded another word to say is you will become <laughs> double minded mm. the bible says very clearly a double minded man will receive nothing, nothing. the problem is it's not that uh, god is so angry or mad with them but how do you give a double minded man anything because mm. you don't know what he will do tomorrow with what you give yes, him yes you know because he's he's uh, he's moved by feelings like mm. feelings like i'll tell you about two of my spiritual children they're both cute okay and both are i mean both are girls okay and girls usually are more emotional feeling than fact one made a commitment to god whatever you give me i'll give you half back another made a commitment to god whatever i give you i'll give you everything back so i asked them how will you live did god ask for any of these things did god ask for imagine you get 1000 rupees you give 500 back you only 500 he didn't ask for your half he didn't ask for your half you know another one says you give me 1000 i will give you 1000 back <laughs> when the first place god doesn't need your money when he says to give you a tithe he's basically saying that acknowledge me and the lord of your life acknowledge me he gives you more than you can ever give him okay so don't make emotional decision it's like that uh, guy called jephtha right jephtha yes oh, he wants his victory the first thing that comes, comes out, out of this thing i will say did god ask for a sacrifice when I mean, what kind of a foolish thing in the sad thing is that his only daughter comes out what if it had been a dog or your daughter this is feelings this is feelings okay and that is where it happens so the thing is that if you don't want to be fickle minded you have to major on the word of god for the word of god is truth and once god's spirit zeroes down onto a truth that should be fixed in your mind you cannot budge turn to the left or right now turn with me to the book of joshua listen to i mean mm-hmm. listen to what god after 40 years of leadership of moses to the young leader says one eight joshua mm-hmm. chapter 1 mm-hmm. okay however joshua 1 verse 7 and 8 okay recipe for success in the promised land he's mm. going to battle he's going to fight okay 
Only be strong and be very courageous. That's an attitude of the soul, of mm. your mind. Be strong, be courageous. That is attitude. Okay, so when Philippines says you have this, have this mind of Christ, it is not talking about your reasoning faculty, it is talking about your attitude. Mm. Jesus was humble, humble, humble all the way. So have this attitude. Okay? Attitude. Because if you don't have that attitude, then you cannot have that mind reasoning. Because the attitude and the reasoning has to go together. So first is talking about attitude. Okay? You only fought a few battles in the wilderness, now you're going to fat battle against nations. Walled cities, fighting men. It's going to be different. First, you need to have an attitude. Be strong and be courageous. A lot of people don't understand that. You need to have, need to have. It's an attitude of a heart. Okay? I'm telling you, young man, you need to be strong inside. You know, you can be six feet, seven inches and be a wuss. <laughs> okay? That's what happened to Israel on that day when Goliath came. There was only one strong man. It was an attitude of his mind. That was David. It had nothing to do with his skill with his um, sling or bow, arrow or sword. I mean, he was not trained in warfare, but he only knew how to use a sling and a rod. But he had a very strong attitude. He was very strong. So the Bible says, be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. That is the key. Okay. Once you zero on to the truth, okay, we are not talking about the law here, we are looking about the truth in the mm. law. Stick to it. Don't don't let pressure because what the devil will bring is pressure. And under pressure we compromise. Mm. Once you compromise under pressure, what happens? You become fickle minded. Mm pressure, okay? So you will see, even in Abraham's case, okay? God has told him, leave, leave your household. But he is fickle-minded, okay? It is feelings. His father doesn't want to go from Haran. So first to compromise is at Haran. Okay? And you will see, he makes a series of compromises. Once you have compromised in one area, you have to be very, very sure that you go back, put it right, and make yourself strong. Next test is famine. Again, he's fickle-minded. He tells his wife to tell him, it's my sister. He wins a few battles, everything and all. And then his wife comes after 10 years in the promised land and says, we have no children. We have a promise. Why don't you take my maid servant? Again, he's fickle-minded. Then after 10, 13 years, God comes and tells him, I'm going to give you a son. He says, no, let Ishmael live before you and bless me. So you will see he's fickle-minded. Actually, he becomes single-minded only on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. Okay, mm-hmm. it takes and that that those things matter. These things matter. Okay, these things matter. The thing is that there is a fact that is God has spoken, and there is your feeling. Are you going to let your feeling go over your fact? And it, it passes on to Esau. Esau for a season is really really good, but there is this fact. The fact is Jacob is chosen. The feeling is, I like Esau. The question is, which way will you go? Will you go by the fact, that is the truth, or will you go by feeling? Okay. And he chooses to go by feeling. And because he chooses to go by feeling, his history is over. His history is over. Okay. And you will see, this is the way it goes. And same thing with Jacob too. And Jacob, Jacob, it will take years and years and years before Jacob can stabilize. A long time before he can stabilize. Okay, so we have to look at all these patterns 
And the Bible comes into the new covenant and say, like Jesus is being trisweighed by his mother, his brothers, his disciples. But once he has heard from his father, you cannot cause him to budge. At the end, he says, he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. Okay, Jerusalem. So one of the simple things over there is that be rooted in the word of God. Hmm. Be rooted in the word of God. Okay, that was question nine. No? Yes. Be root. How do you get rid of this fickle heart? Is by being steady. And second thing, be careful about uh, who you speak to, who you seek your counsel from. You need to be very, very careful. The problem with people is like within the church, generally speaking, is that with people is that they will they got to be in their bonnet. They will go on keeping counsel, seeking counsel until they find a counselor who agrees with that be. Hmm. With that be. You know? And it does not work. It will actually bring damage. It actually will bring damage. So this is, this is the key here. That's what the Bible is saying. How do you, how do you, how do you, you have to keep going back to the word of God. What is written? You can, that's why uh, Psalm 138 and verse 2 is so important. He has magnified his word above all his name. All his name. Okay? All his name. It's it's very, very important in the new covenant, in the, this thing. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Okay? So you cannot magnify a prophecy over the word. Hmm. Because a prophecy comes in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, in the name, in the new covenant. You cannot magnify a dream above the word of God. Mm-hmm. You cannot magnify a vision above the word of God. Mm-hmm. You cannot magnify an opinion of even a godly person. If you know the word of God contradicts it, that's it. You will put the word. That is the only way. We are all in so many ways fickle-minded. Nobody has become stable like Jesus. But you have to go in the process of being stable like Jesus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we will we will flit between two opinions. You know. And what will we wait for? We will wait for a physical proof before we make our decision. Like the children of Israel, fire. But the problem is, God is absolutely in control, and that is His will, and He's got a man. But what if God was not interested and the prophets of Baal brought fire? What would have happened? Mm. Has truth changed? No. No. What if God hadn't locked up the heavens and Baal brought rain? People would have worshipped Baal and gone. History would have gone. Okay, There was one man who stayed on the truth and he blocked everything. Therefore, the people who were caught between two opinions became a people of one opinion. A little later, they fell away again. Because they were still fickle-minded. And that's what the word of God is talking about. One of the primary primary issues within the church of God is that people... It is not people are not reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's not that people are not listening to messages. People are not becoming, becoming single-minded. Mm. Single-minded. <coughs> They're not becoming single-minded. No? They're not becoming single-minded. You need to be like the heat-seeking missiles. Once they are locked into target, it is finished. Okay, that's where you have to lock into the word of God. That's it. That, see, that's the only way. Even when you fall, you can come back. Amen. 
It's not that you will not fall. Falling is connected with temptation, enticement, you may fall. But how do you get restored if you don't have... What do you get restored to? Hmm. David could be restored because he had his fundamentals very, very strong. Fundamentals very, very strong. Saul had his fundamentals very weak. He was a man of flesh. The other man was a man of spirit or man of the word. So he could be restored too. So how do I become single-minded? Is this? And when when Romans 12.2 talks, you know, that's how you become single-minded, Romans (coughs) 12.2. And you have to do both. You have to do both. Do not be conformed to this world. That's the first thing. And be transformed by the reading of the mind. You cannot listen to the word and go to the world. Yes. Listen to the world and go to the world. You will be always double-minded. Double-minded. Why, why, are the, why is there so confusion in the <coughs> Christian world in America who to vote for? Because they are listening to the TVs and the news channels. They are not looking into the, what the word of God says. The word of God is very simple. See, why are we all sitting here and talking? Because we are all alive. So the first thing, first right is right to life. Yes. First is right to life. Okay, right to life. The first thing. Which platform stands for the right for life? One platform. The other is taking the right. Second is, what did God tell Moses to go tell Pharaoh? Let my people go okay. that they may worship, worship me. me. Second right is that we freedom, worship God. Freedom of worship. Yeah. Freedom of worship. Which platform is standing for freedom of worship? For any religion? One platform. The other, no. Okay. Second thing, I need to speak. Which platform stands for the freedom to speak? It's as simple as that. Three fundamental things. Everything else is secondary. And if you know your word, you know who to vote for. You know who to vote for. But people are confused. They're fickle-minded. Fickle mind, absolutely fickle minded. Because they have no permanent values. Because the thing about kingdom, that's why God says heaven and earth will pass away. But not a dot from my word. The word of God is absolutely, it will never pass away. It will pass away. And therefore the man who does the will of God will not pass away. Mm. Okay? And that's how you get it. You have to get back to the word of God and stay in the word of God. So even even if there are weak people around you, the only way you can actually bring them is to have strong, strong. conviction. It's not yeah. because yeah. by changing thing, your yeah. standards. If you change to your convictions. That's what happens. What's the, the, you, the problem with U.S. is mm. not with politics. The problem with U.S. is the church. The church fell apart. Mm. The church compromised on fundamentals. You know, once you compromise on one thing, then you compromise on everything. You know, there's no hard and fast the fundamentals. You compromise. You're gone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Next question. Okay, Pastor, we can read liquid question number 11. I think I'm just looking at the pattern over here. So okay, then question number 11. 11. It says, what did all the saints have in common? Sam, the, can you switch that off? For the, the differences must have been incidental and in the eyes of God of no significance. In some vital quality, they, ma- they must have been alike. What would you say it is? Just curious, want to hear from you. I thought it was because you're talking about a strength, strength of yeah. character. What do they have in common? What did all the saints have in common? If you look at fundamentals, I mean, it's very, at one level, it's very, very simple. What did they all have in common? Faith. Faith, yes. It's one. It's not love. Mm-hmm. Not love. Everybody did not love God the same way. Mm-hmm. Some of them did not even really, their love did not even last. Mm-hmm. But what is common from Abel down to the last it's one faith. in Hebrews 11? It was faith. faith. They heard, and when they heard, they took God at His word. Yes. 
God. And God was pleased by his faith. Hmm. And you need to understand, remember the uh, example I gave in the church and different places and different meetings, I said, imagine uh, Peter comes to me and says, Pastor, I love you really, 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 really love. I love the way you teach. I love the way you, I mean, all these things. But Pastor, I don't trust you. Imagine, <laughs> I will say, <laughs> the old English way I will say, you can take your love, put it in a pipe and smoke it. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. This is the fundamental problem of Christians. Hmm. They say, Lord, I love you, Lord, how much I love you. But actually, if you look into their life, they don't trust him. Hmm. They don't trust him. And that's what the Bible says, it is impossible to, to please, please God. God. Without faith. faith. And the core part of faith is, Lord, I trust you. I believe what you have said. I trust you. That is the good part of David. God never, David always trusted God. Mm -hmm. Basically, he is saying that, I believe in you that even when I sin, you will spank me. That I believe. You are a man who keeps his word. (laughs) Not Saul. Saul doesn't believe disobedience begins, brings judgment. He doesn't believe in any of those things. Okay? And then when he gets judged, he gets upset. And he says, I have obeyed. So why are you judging me, kind of? David is not. So the simple question to ask is this. What is common about all the saints? They trusted what God said. Like, if you look at Abel. By, a, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So, what are the differences between Abel and Cain? He had heard from his father, and he had probably seen his father do it, that after the fall, you cannot approach God without blood. Mm -hmm. And second, you need to give God your best. best. That's your firstborn. So, the Bible says, he took the firstlings. Okay, it is by faith. He believed God, and he offered, and God was pleased with him. Pleased with him. God was pleased with him. The second thing about Enoch. God was pleased with him. God was pleased with Noah. I mean, think about Noah. If you look, if you read the Genesis account, we can understand, at least hypothetically, we can reach this conclusion. It hasn't rained on earth. We don't have to go into scientific this thing. There is no carbon dating and all. See, carbon dating and is all a hypothesis. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. If you want to have carbon dating, you need to have Imagine the original. The original mm. is this much. So mm. You begin on a hypothesis. Mm. Yes. So carbon dating can be absolutely wonky mm-hmm. and go wrong. Okay, the science, you know, believe the science, believe the science. I mean, science is still evolving. Mm. Like last time I read a couple of the uh, one at least of Newton's law has been debunked, but I got full marks for it. Right, one of the Newton's laws has been debunked. <laughs> okay, so science is still evolving. Hmm. Okay, I mean, let's look at COVID-19, right? Didn't they all say it is there is no human-to-human transmission in the beginning? Yes. Didn't they say you don't need to wear masks? Yes. Didn't they say in the beginning you don't need social distancing? They did. Then they changed. Then they changed. Okay, so this is the problem with science. Science is only dealing with facts which can be scientifically proven, but it has its very, very short limitations. But when you are talking about the word of God, it is truth. 
it is settled forever it is settled forever so it's people calling mm. you know that that is question number 11 pastor okay so when you look at faith it is a settled fact god has spoken god has spoken okay so there is no rain nobody has seen rain nobody has seen floods nobody has seen floods and now i is asked to build an ark you think about it and he built and god is pleased with it hmm. he built it exactly as god said okay so that is what is common about if you look at all of them even the entire nation of israel the second generation they listened to joshua hmm. they didn't hear from god joshua heard from god and they obeyed joshua and they walked around for 7 days and scripture says by, by faith the walls of jericho the walls of jericho came down okay rehab by faith so god is not interested in not looking at people's background in the beginning that is all got to do with sanctification but unless you get saved who what's the point in sanctification you have to get saved first okay so faith is the beginning of salvation by faith you are saved through grace okay so what is common between all of them is faith it is not love it is not love none of them loved god the same way some of them loved god like david loved god like crazy i don't think uh, isaac loved god like that or jacob loved god mm. like that mm. i don't think gideon i don't think even gideon really loved god mm. because towards the end he falls away mm. so many of those people did not have that kind of an experience but when it comes to faith and love david stands up there at top of the bracket so what is common about all of them is it's not love it is faith and with faith comes other facets of faith there is trust they trust god they are loyal to god yes. okay faith has its different facets so you have to look at it and uh, david was loyal to god till the end gideon was loyal to god until he got his victory <coughs> so you will see you know joshua was loyal to god till the end of his life but he was not faithful to raise up another set of leadership for mm. the next generation so you will see the shortcomings are there mm. but if you look at it what is common about all of them what set them apart a cut above the mask was faith mm. was faith it is not love you can love god with all your heart all your mind and be have no faith mm-hmm. really have no faith to step out and take the risk which faith involves which you no know, fear stops you because you love god does not mean you have does not mean you have faith you have faith okay you have faith faith is important but the greatest of it is love course love and that is the love of god it is not our, our love, love. Mm-hmm. you allow the love of god to consume you and allow it to flow through so i believe to the answer what is common incidental but what is common what did all the saints have in common it was faith and faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of god pastor will look at again question number 12 i think is also kind of on the same stream 12 yes why is there spiritual fight and oppression experiences when i try to pray even after covering myself with the blood of jesus how can i break through that two weeks back i determined to pray more for the city that we were living in and for us and that same night i experienced such a fatigue in the body another time when i prayed for a sister in my church there are a couple of other times also experienced it why i mean it is a spiritual battle okay prayer real prayer is a spiritual battle a spiritual battle and the and the the bible says if you i mean it is the 
most pertinent verses in the Bible connected with that is Ephesians. Six. Okay, Ephesians chapter six and verse ten and eleven and twelve, of course. Onwards. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, so the entire thing, again 13, take on the full armor of God. The prayer part comes only at the end of it. You hmm. need power, you need armor. Two things are mentioned. You can have armor without power. Hmm. Okay, you can be full armor, body armor on. You have a have gun without bullets. Hmm. All you can do is protect yourself. You cannot fight. Cannot fight. So the Bible puts it against. See, you're fighting against invisible powers. You're not fighting with human. You're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. Then you know how to fight it. You can see them. You can in so many ways understand and take precautions. But you're fighting against principalities. Powers, rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts. And Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 will say, the, our weapons are different. First, mm-hmm. we are talking about armor. The second, we are talking about weapons. So, first, you need to have the armor in. Right? For mm-hmm. though we walk in the flesh, we, we do, do not, not war according, according to the, the flesh. flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Okay? There are strongholds inside and there are strongholds outside. Okay? And that's what, I mean, how do we learn fundamental lessons of warfare? It is through the Holy Spirit, through the New Covenant and the Old Covenant. You have to look at their real physical battles. And the first thing God tells, like we just saw in Joshua chapter 1, is before he has fought a single battle in the Promised Land, he says, be sure about your attitude. Mm. Be sure about your attitude. And you will see, he didn't have that attitude. Yes. At I, when they lost, he fell on his face and he talked like, just like the previous generation, his old generation. Why did you bring us here? You know, all that junk he started. God says, shut up and get up from there. That's wow. not the, way, the words of a leader. Okay, what kind of a, a leader are you? I mean, did I, didn't I, are you doubting my word? I mean, the thing is that you will, he's growing in his faith. Okay, after that he, he finishes very well. But if you look at it, this is what God says. Every place the sole of your foot treads, I give it to you. Nobody will be able to stand against you. He's assuring him 100% victory. Then, if you believe the word of God and trusted the word of God, when you lost, immediately you need to ask, what's wrong here? You're not doubting the word of God. God has promised you victory. Therefore, we have either turned to the right or to the left. Who turned? Who turned? That's the first question he need to have gone and asked. Lord, something went wrong here. Somebody has turned. Because we are one army, we are one body. Yes. Here. Somebody has turned to the left or the right. Somebody has done. We won in Jericho. We lost against I. So something that you said connected with Jericho, somebody has disobeyed. Yeah, somebody has disobeyed and given an opening mm-hmm. for the enemy to defeat mm-hmm. us. That's the first question you should have asked. Mm-hmm. Instead, he fell and says, "Why did you bring over here?" So you see, he's very weak in faith at that point. Mm-hmm. Weak in that point, no. So that's what the Bible is talking about. This is a spiritual battle. And the thing is that in the spiritual battle, our captain of the host is the Holy Spirit. Always say, don't get into battles when you are not led. Mm. When you are not led. 
meaning led, meaning led by the leader. Remember, Joshua is fighting the battle at Rephidim, but he knows the leader is Moses. Moses, yes. That's why I'm absolutely sure when Amalek is winning, he will look back. What is the leader saying? It's like the basketball or anything. No, when things are going tough, they look at the coach. coach yeah. <laughs> look at the coach. They have their signals and everything. Any given, look at the coach. So you have a team, you have a captain in the team, but you, they know the coach is the one who is important. He's the one who's giving the directions because he's watching the entire match or the battle, and he's so they look up and he says, "Moses' hands have come down. That's why I'm losing." So you have to realize uh, our leader is the Holy Spirit. And sometimes what happens is people get into battles for which they are not prepared. Hmm. They're not prepared. You, 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 you cannot fight principalities and powers if you don't have a real solid prayer life yeah. of fasting and prayer. Yes. Okay. Fasting and prayer. You have Daniel and four friends. But do you hear these three friends receiving revelations anywhere? No. no. You see only them in one thing. We will not bow. Mm-hmm. They are very strong on that conviction. But beyond that, we don't hear they have a vibrant fasting prayer life like Daniel. Daniel. So if you look at those people in the Bible, they had very powerful fasting and prayer lives. And Jesus made it very clear. We talk about ask, we talk about seek, we talk about knock, and then we come to the fourth one. These kinds will not go without fasting and, and prayer. prayer. Yep. The demonic. You want to fight the demonic? God says, better have a fasting life. It's not going to go. They're not going to go. They know you. An anointing or what you call delegated authority alone will not work. Jesus had delegated authority and said, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. But they couldn't do anything. So they came and asked him, How could you do? And we couldn't do. And he said, It's because one is faith. Second, this can go only with fasting and prayer. So you have to look at it and to look at it and be led by the Holy Spirit. That's why in the new covenant, we don't go fasting like uh, any rituals or anything. Mm-hmm. We are fasting for purpose. Yes. Okay. In the world, you eat to fight. You eat a healthy meal for the, in the kingdom of God, you fast to fight. fight. Amen. You fast to fight. Yes. Yeah, and I'll show you the, in the interesting Picture there in First Kings chapter eighteen. Mm-hmm. A division is made over there. First Kings chapter eighteen. Eighteen and uh, verse forty one and forty two. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top. See, both went up, one to eat, one to pray. Mm. Both went up. One man of flesh went up to eat. The man of the soldier, the real soldier. One is leading the army of Israel. The other is leading the army of God. One went up to eat, the other went up to pray. Went up to pray. Okay, and that's what God is talking about. And if you look at Elijah's life, Elijah's life, whatever he did, he had so many miracles and brought the dead back to life and all that. But God's word describes him only one thing. He was a man of prayer. prayer. And prayer is spiritual battle. And you cannot get into these battles unless you have power, unless you have armor, unless you have discipline, spiritual discipline. And fasting is spiritual discipline. Hearing from God 
is spiritual discipline. Prayer is spiritual discipline. Isolating yourself from the world yes, is spiritual discipline. discipline yes. Every if you if you understand why the second generation captured the promised land because they were isolated in the wilderness for forty years. The first generation lost because they refused to be isolated. Even in the wilderness, they were thinking about Egypt, so they lost. They lost. Okay, Saul was a man of the world. David was a man of the wilderness. So one was over. Both were warriors. One lost. The other never lost a battle. Okay, so understand. So when you are talking about why it is, you have to be led by the spirit. You don't get into because people think there is great honor and this thing. You get beaten up left, right, and center. You know, and you know, you'll get. You know, don't jump into it. You know. Don't jump in. Jump in. Now, what I'm saying is that you know. No, but so we have a fantastic code language. Okay, so when you, okay. <laughs> we all connect. <laughs> the reason, is, the reason is when you haven't even won in arm wrestling, you want to go for WWE. Hallelujah. Okay, meaning even when you haven't even. Tackle in our Indian language, the gully demon, you want to fight the principality. Mm. You know, you want to fight the principality, okay? So David is actually very clear. He says, I have dealt with the bear and the lion. Mm. I've seen the hand of God. Mm. Okay, I haven't seen the hand of God. I can take this fellow mm. because I know the same God who gave me victory there and there will give the victory. So he has an experience of relying on the power of God. Yes. The others have warfare training, physical, but they don't have spiritual training. This guy says, I have. So we have to go, you know, and let God lead you into these battles. Let God show you which battles to pick. Sometimes people pick the wrong battles for which never God called you. And they are not led by the Spirit of God. And then they look at the damage it creates us in their lives, in their bodies, in their homes, the casualty. You know, it's because the devil came back and hit you. And broke you through, because you were not covered with the armor, and you did not really know how to fight. Okay, Pastor. Uh, I think uh, again. I think this is because ministry related. I think we should look at both seven and eight questions also. Seven. Uh, actually, maybe eight first. How do I find out if I encourage people or discourage people? I'm not sure if I'm too tough sometimes or just make f- people feel miserable. What do you do to encourage people? See, like I said, these are all words we use in the kingdom of God and also words that use in the world. The problem with encouraging people is that if people are not interested in the word of God and stayed on the word of God, your encouragement or discouragement is connected with their feelings. Hmm. Feelings. So if you are a people pleaser, you will tell them what they want to hear. They will feel very encouraged and they get beaten up and come back. No, that's how, no, if you've seen all the war movies and this thing, all, everybody would talk to They're encouraging themselves. The Bible says David also encouraged mm. himself in the Lord. Mm. And when the Ark of the Covenant came, yeah. he's also yeah, started yeah. encouraging <laughs> themselves. When the Ark of the Lord came, a bunch of crooks, okay, led by two biggest crooks in the country. Oh, and the Philistines also got scared because they know the history of their God. They fought like never before and the whole Lord got killed. 30,000 soldiers died that day. Hopni and Phineas also died. And their father also fell backwards and died. 
But <laughs> it's a false encouragement because there's no truth in them. Mm-hmm. So we need to realize is that even when you encourage people, okay, this is from a pastor far, far, far back or the other end. I mean, if he runs fast, he will fall off the globe. Mm-hmm. This is from our pastor from Alaska. He mm-hmm. asked this question. Okay. So the the thing is that we have to be very, very careful that we encourage people in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a false encouragement. Yes, yes, yes. False And the problem is like, you know, people don't want, uh, like, you know, when people go to a doctor, they want to hear the truth, right? Mm-hmm. He can also tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> and they may die with your sickness. You want to go to a doctor, you want to hear the truth. When you go to a lawyer, you better tell the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you may end up in jail. Okay. <laughs> But when they go to a pastor, they don't want to hear the truth. Mm. Okay, but that's the issue. Jesus came with grace and truth. Only the truth can set you free. Lies will give you a feeling of freedom. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, will destroy you. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, first people have to be absolutely. Honest with themselves. Lord, make me a person who can receive the truth. Mm-hmm. No truth. Otherwise, you will be like Ahab's prophets. They will flatter you out of this world, literally. <laughs> literally out of this world. You know? <laughs> so, the whole idea is that a person can be really encouraged only if he is willing to receive the truth which actually means willing to be corrected. Mm. No? Willing to be corrected. Some people know, you're cursing me. No, you're not cursing me. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at your life. I'm looking at the road you are taking. If you take this road, this is where you will end. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're cursing me. No, I didn't say that. I said, this is the road. This road goes to destruction. I'm not cursing you. I'm just telling you the facts as I see it. So what should I do? Just turn your course. Change mm. your course. Mm. You know? Change your course. The train, if you go to Secunderabad, it is going to Delhi. You get into the train and sit in the opposite direction. You won't reach another destination. Just <laughs> <laughs> still go to Delhi. Because <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> in the train, you can sit in two directions. But don't look at which direction you are sitting. Look at the direction the train is going. Because that's where you will end. Okay, that's where you will end. And the problem with people get discouraged. Yes, you have to be gentle with new believers. Mm-hmm. You have to look at each one of them, where they are coming. And you have to be. But you cannot mince words. Mm-hmm. You can put it probably in, in a better way where they with sensitive people. But you cannot change the truth. Mm-hmm. You cannot change the truth. The truth is still the same. It is still the same. And it doesn't change for anybody. So, we have to encourage people, but uh, we'll also be judged if we encourage them falsely. Hmm. And that is God's uh, indictment over his false prophets. He says, you treated the wound of my daughter lightly. lightly. Just thoda cement laga diya and whitewash it and said, house construction over. Hmm. After one year, all you see is cracks. Hmm. All you see is cracks. The whole thing is cracking, falling apart. Why? Because you... So, God says, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come. 
Okay. Mm. But when you say <coughs> peace and safety, don't you feel so encouraged? Yes. I mean, honestly, listen to Joel Austin, uh, Joseph Prince, all these people, you feel so encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> so encouraged. But it is a false encouragement. Mm. Because they don't speak the whole truth. They don't speak the whole truth. And ultimately, when the end comes, you will be destroyed. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Actually, uh, there was uh, one of the matches in uh, Rafa Nadal's career. Yes, Rafa Nadal has come back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so his uh, he was yeah. not, he still hasn't didn't win the U.S. Open till then. Okay. He was still growing in, and his coach was his uncle. In the, one of the matches, in one of the rounds, uh, he had a very tough. I mean, he was struggling to get through, and he finally gets through. But the next opponent is stronger than him. So, like his uncle is saying, "What's going on? You have to hit the ball hard and stuff." And he says, "The balls are so different. I'm not able to get the spin." And he says, "Do you want me to go and tell the uh, the director of the of the tournament to change the balls for you?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, mean, I mean, it's like he had to tell him that. Yeah. Come on, it's, there's no excuse here. You have to find a way to get yes. through to this. And that is when he actually wins it. No, four time, four times now. Anyways, you, have to, you can't change <laughs> your challenges. You have to handle your challenges with the word of God. Yeah. <coughs> Every year, there is not going to be a pandemic for you to get a free pass in your exams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2019 was an exception. Mm. All these children were sitting with Zoom. I know we'll get a because government will say no classes, everything pass. Karadasab, you don't worry whether it is pandemic or Zoom class. Study like you always study. Mm. Study hard. Okay, study hard. They won't change the syllabus next year. Syllabus will be the same next year. Mm-hmm. Harder. And people don't realize it. You know. That is how you prepare. Yes, Pastor. So it's question number seven. Um, we are all fair. Are we all fair? The question remains, we are not fair. How can this be? Can you explain this when sin remains in the region, in the region rate? Can our own day-to-day distresses and anxiousness over sin ever allow anything like fairness or perfection to become a present attainment? How are we all fair? When we ourselves feel we are all black because of the sun has looked upon us. It's a very strange question. (laughs) But I think it's basically talking about uh, being fair. Uh, Basically, I think the whole term is basically about being just. Mm. Fairness in the terms of just. Mm. Okay? What we need... uh, Justice. Just is from where you get justice. Okay, justice. Justice is supposed to be just. You cannot have justice without truth. Without truth. They're all connected. Truth, justice, result is righteousness. Mm. Result is out, outcome is righteousness. righteousness. So when God says, seek ye first my kingdom, Mm -hmm. that's connected with primarily power. Mm -hmm. Okay, power. And his righteousness, you cannot seek his righteousness unless you seek truth. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had made it very clear. At the end, the people who perish is because they did not receive the, the love, love of truth. truth. Love of truth. Okay. The first thing is this thing. Lord, give me the love of truth. Give me not the truth about others. With others, always give them the benefit of doubt. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know. Benefit of doubt. <laughs> To yourself, don't give the benefit of doubt because you know. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> How 
problem is the different with self we get the benefit of that with the others we act as if we know everything oh boy know everything okay it's the other way okay be hard on you we will always come and say don't be too hard on yourself no better be hard on yourself because you know yourself okay you know yourself and judge yourself with the word of god okay and that is where fairness comes mm. then you will become a just person if you are just to yourself and give others the benefit of doubt when you do not have the whole evidence yes. the whole evidence when you do not have the whole evidence stay back stay back okay stay back but when you have the evidence before you then no you know it the whole truth and only only make judgments connected with the evidence you have Okay, evidence you have because the problem is our our problem is issue is that uh, we may look at one action of somebody else. Let us say uh, David failing in the case of Uriah, and reach the conclusion conclusion that is an unjust man, mm. and he is not an unjust man. Mm. He's an incredibly just man, but in one particular case, he was unbelievably unjust. So we have to be very, very careful. We are very, very careful that we don't just uh, make a blanket statement. Blanket statement. That's why just leave the rest because we don't know. We don't know what the person is, and also never make a final judgment of anybody. before their time because mm. you do not know how people will end yes yes how people will one man who is running very well might end up terribly and another man who is running very badly might end up well <laughs> we do not know we do not know so mm. our judgment is very limited limited yes with others the only one we can judge really 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 well is us because mm. we know the one we know best is ourselves so we look at the received knowledge of the word of god and we look at it and look at ourselves and says okay this is what the word of god says i've seen all the patterns of people from able onward this thing and and i put myself in this bracket where i am if i am going this way where will i be in 5 years time where will i be in 10 years time where will i be we can actually make clear evaluations because the word of god doesn't lie mm-hmm. we know god is not a respecter of persons yes doesn't so partiality doesn't so partiality so that is where we have to be fair we have to be just with ourselves first and give others the benefit mm-hmm. of doubt it does not mean you do not judge you have to judge every day we are making judgments but we are not making character assassinations mm-hmm. that is a dangerous thing to do you know because uh, that is where we will go completely wrong you, people could have written of david but that would have been a totally complete people would have thought Saul in the first two years of his reign was cat's whiskers mm-hmm. boy we made a right choice we got the king but what a ter- terrible judgment of character you know and people they uh, made a terrible judgment about david's character but he finished very well you know so we cannot make this thing that's where we have to be very careful about that lord help me to be fair under the circumstances and always let there be room for uh no what i do not know i give them the benefit of doubt
No, so we have this saying in law, not legal terms, but the saying in English about law. Let a thousand guilty escape, lest one innocent is punished. Mm-hmm. One innocent is punished. Okay. Let us say a thousand people are caught for a crime. And you do not know who the culprit is. So what are you going to do? I'm going to imprison all the thousand. No. And the tenant of the law is that. No, but there is one who is innocent in this. And I do not know who it is. And I should not punish that innocent. So for the sake of it, let a thousand, thousand go free. Go free. Yeah. That's what... Uh, if, that's the standard on which Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, if there is 50. God said, no. 40. No. 30. No. 20. No. What about 10? God said, no. And God walks away. And think if the city has 100,000 people. And God said, I'll spare the city of 100,000 wicked people if there are 10 righteous in it. That's my standard. I'll spare the city. If there are ten righteous people, I will spare the city. Hallelujah. Look at it. Okay. So we always have to look at it and say, Lord, help me to be just, fair to our others, give them the, give them the benefit of doubt and, uh, but with me, Lord, let me not give benefit of doubt. Amen. I know exactly where I am. Let me make the right decisions and change course so that I stick close to you. Yes, Pastor Vijay. The reason why uh, one of the reasons why Rafa was a very successful uh, in terms of his career was every time um, he used to say, you know, he said, "My shoes was not the problem, my coach was not the problem, my suffered stuff was not the problem. I was always a problem." It was because but even sometimes you have to accept the shoes also can be the problem. <laughs> And you immediately go after that first this thing and go change your shoes. You yeah. need to very, very analyze. But I mean, he made a real assessment. My shoe is good. My bat is good. Mm. Here, I did not. I did not. No, because you have to make uh, corrections. You have to make right. Sometimes you are hard on ourselves when the fault may be with the equipment. Mm-hmm. I mean, fault may be with the equipment. Like, Sammy, what is happening? And the internet is gone. Why you blame me? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not his fault. <laughs> it's not his fault. But every time he gets that. <laughs> the internet is gone. It's because of you. <laughs> so, you also have to know this okay, thing. Okay. So, we have. And where the other side about, about it is, where we cannot make, a, where we cannot, uh, no. okay, where we cannot do is, uh, Always factor grace in. <coughs> grace in. Okay? Like let's say, at my age now, okay, I'm the oldest in the room here, I'm at my age. There are a lot of things I cannot go back and change. A lot of things. You are set. Like, you know, I can go back and expect the energy of 25. Okay? I cannot go back and learn new skills, which lot of stuff which could have been done when you are young because when you are young you can learn a lot of stuff okay a lot of stuff but we can always look at my age with what i am whatever god wants me to do and do it well what i can always factor in is grace grace of god yeah the grace of god and that is what you need to realize 
but for grace. Mm. But that grace is enough. Mm. Grace is enough. Okay, grace is enough. So when even when you look at yourself, you make a hard judgment and you look at all those weaknesses, everything, don't forget to factor okay. grace. Yes. <coughs> That's what Paul will say, in my weaknesses, his grace is made perfect. Okay, which is true. The more we grow in God, what we are actually aware of is our weaknesses and our frailties and all. That's what we are actually aware of, not our strength. Okay, when you are young, what you are aware of is your strength. Mm. <laughs> okay, young in the Lord, you are all cat's whiskers, so oh, I can do this again. <laughs> the older you grow in the Lord, the less sure you are that whether you can do anything. But that is your strong strength because if you factor grace in, you realize grace can come in. Amen. And grace is all that you need. The grace of God. And God tells him grace is sufficient mm. for me. Amen. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Yes, Pastor. So question number 13 and 14. Why is my son being born again getting delayed? My daughter is three years younger to him. Got saved a year back. My husband and I have been praying together for this. Why is it getting delayed? Okay, I just have to. Sorry, uh, my my son is fourteen years old, and he's 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 being born again. He's getting delayed. Mm. My daughter is three three years younger to him. Got saved a year back. Mm. My husband and I have been praying together for this. Why is it? Yeah, people are different. Mm. People are different. Children are different, and uh, the struggles are different. Like uh, at the age of seventeen, if you look in modern terms, New Covenant terms, Joseph is saved full of the Holy Spirit, receiving visions and dreams about his future. His elder ten brothers are rogues. <laughs> okay. It will get another 22 years to get them saved. Mm-hmm. Forget anything else. To get them saved, using modern parlance, to get them saved, it will take them another 22 years while the youngest fellow is already on the road to overcoming everything. Mm. So, we don't know. You don't know. It, 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 never compare two children. Two children. Okay? Never compare two children. The two children are... Uh, the children are completely different. Completely different. You know? Like the the word of the Lord, we have heard about our five children. You know? We know. Like that's why we don't even worry about what they are now because we have already heard and we know they all will be saved. They will, all will serve the Lord. But we also know among the two, five, which two will finish the best, end up the best in the kingdom of God. And we are not making any names here. If they are listening, those who are not in the list will get upset, okay? But this is what has been shown, Mm -hmm. okay? And it does not follow into the pecking order or anything, okay? It doesn't fall under that order or anything, okay? So you need to realize each child is different. Each child is different. The one who came in early could uh, waver in the middle. The one who came last could finish off very well, which is true. I mean, I'll give you one one verse from the Bible, from Genesis 50. No, Genesis 49. Okay. And verse 26, 49. 
for 25 and 26. 49, 25 and 26. Or you can read from 24, okay? It's talking about Joseph, okay? But his bow remained in strength and the arms of his hand were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd of the stone of Israel. Now he's calling his God, the God of Jacob, when he's living. Usually God comes and tells him, I am the God of your father Abraham and Isaac. Now mm-hmm. he's saying he's the God of Jacob. By the God of your father who will help you and by the Almighty who will bless you with the blessings of heaven, blessings of the deep that lies beneath the blessing to the breast of the womb. And 26, the blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors. Mm-hmm. You know what he's saying? Mm-hmm. He's saying I have gone ahead of Abraham and Isaac. I can bless you more than Abraham or Isaac would bless you. But you would never would have thought this guy would overshoot his father and his grandfather if you saw his beginning. And his middle also. <laughs> would have never thought this man would finish this. Actually, he finishes better than his father and his grandfather. The way he ends. The way he ends. You don't see a prophetic picture of Abraham at the end. He just divides his property, gives gifts to all his other children, sends them away and says, Isaac will inherit. You don't see anything about Isaac in the end, just that he died, his sons came and buried him. But Jacob, he sits up on his last day and is prophetically speaks over all his twelve children to the end of the age. So you will see the way he finishes. But he's the one who came in last. So we don't look at children that way. Our children... No, don't worry about it. Just keep praying and hear about your children. What God says, which will give you peace. Which will give you peace. Especially if you are in ministry. Remember, your family is constantly under attack. Your children are under attack. What you have heard about your children, you can lay them with the hands of God and move on. You can move on with God and keep praying for them. But you don't deny what God has shown you. Has shown you. And you have peace about it. Yes, Pastor. So it's something is burning. Okay, some wire is burning. still strong. I don't think it's easy to. Why is there? Why is that we see more conflict in Christian marriages and homes than the non-Christian marriages? The recent there are a lot of reasons. Okay, one of the reasons is Christian marriages are under attack because the Christian marriages are modeled after God's relationship with the church, like first God and Israel, and then Christ and the church. So. Christian marriages have a model. So those, those marriages will be attacked to break the picture of that model. Okay? Picture of that model. Pagan marriages don't have that model. Mm-hmm. Their marriages equally valid, but they don't have that model. So if you attack a Buddhist marriage, nothing happens to Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens to the testimony of Buddha. If you attack a Muslim marriage, nothing happens to Islam. Nothing happens to the testimony of Allah. But if you attack a Christian marriage, it affects the testimony of Christ. Because the relationship of a Christian man and his wife is modeled on the relationship of Christ and the church. So Christian churches are under attack. Christian children are under attack. Because their children are sanctified right from the womb because of the faith of the parents. They are set apart as holy unto the Lord. So the devil is after our children, the Christian children. 
So you will see Christian kids are more into drug abuse, violence, alcohol, everything. Are Christian kids more than any other kids? And the kids, because they are under attack. So please understand Christian homes, marriages, and Christian children are, I'm talking about real, believing Christian children. And those nations are under attack of the enemy. Second, Christian marriages are under so much pressure is also because Unlike other marriages, expectations are greater here. Mm. Okay. You see, even in Judaism, expectations are less. Whether you are in Judaism or Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism and all, what is common about them is they have a code which is called the law. Under the law, you don't have expectations. You just have rules to obey. Mm. Hmm? Rules to obey. But when Christianity came in, the fundamental premise of Christianity is liberty. Mm. Is liberty. You are a slave under the law. You are a free man under Christianity. Mm. So when liberty comes in, liberty is a double-edged sword. Mm. You have to learn to walk on the edge with liberty. Okay, liberty. So you are looking at a free man and a free woman in a relationship. And the question is, how will you use your liberty? You can only use your liberty properly without bringing bondage where the spirit is Lord. People prefer the law than liberty. Because law, the problem is, it is easy. I'm the head, you're the tail. <coughs> Sit down and do what I tell you. It's easy. Okay, it's very easy. The law is easy. And that's why you see more stability in non-Christian marriages than Christian marriages. In the Christian marriages, liberty comes in. Liberty comes in. And the problem is liberty has been taken over by the Western world and the color has been changed completely. Mm. You don't see the concept about liberty coming from the pagan world. Liberty is a Western concept. Came out of Christianity. Liberty. The cry of the French Revolution was all liberty. Every revolution was liberty. We don't see revolutions coming from the East. Okay. That is why we also see even down till today when there are mass movements asking for liberty, the crackdown in the East is terrible. They will send in the cops, the tanks and finish it up because there is no concept about liberty. But on the other hand, if the same thing is happening in the West, the police has asked to stand out. Don't shoot. The cameras are all on the police, not on the writers, because the concept of liberty is there. The concept of liberty is not here. In Tiananmen Square in China, the tanks will go over the protesters. Okay. In India, the police will beat you, shoot you, and all kind of things, and after some time, it's forgotten and gone. We accepted that the concept of liberty is not here. The concept of liberty is there because it comes out of Christianity, genuine Christianity. So you have here a husband and a wife. Okay, husband and a wife. And now, the issue here is this. Post-fall, everything fell. And the first thing to fall is the individual man and the individual woman and the marriage. It's a failed marriage. The first failed marriage is the marriage of Adam and Eve. Okay? People use many symbolism when God made Eve out of Adam. He didn't take a bone from the head. She would have been the head. He didn't take from the feet. She would have been the foot mat. He took from the side. Okay? It's okay. Nothing rare in the Bible. 
But the only thing I can look at it is that he took from her side, his side. <coughs> so when you look at this side, is that one of the things about the side is the rib. Okay, the side is that the woman was created meant to be protected by the man. And I can prove it because the Bible says in Peter, treat her with honor as a weaker vessel. What do you do with the weaker vessels? The first thing is that you need to protect the weaker vessels. Now, what has the violent feminism done in the term? Again, that is part of liberty, false liberty has done is that this is one of the fundamental things which I have noticed through counseling with so many couples all around the world. I have counseled on the fundamental issues that if you talk, you will see. And it's a constant question we also give. Well, my husband is kind to all the other women, but he's not kind to me. Because <laughs> they're constant. This thing, okay? Now, I will tell you, this is a fundamental nature of a man, especially Christian men, because we have been born again in the image of Christ, is that when he sees his spouse is weak, he will protect her. But the problem is the only woman who is never weak before him is his wife. Mm. No, it's not wife. So, he doesn't know what to, honestly, for men, the issue is that he doesn't know what to do. You have two choices, either fight with her or run from her. And men do both, either they fight with her or they run from her. But you, I also have seen, the minute the same woman becomes weak and starts crying, his nature changes. He's kind and compassionate, because that's the natural reaction of a man. The problem with all the other women is that they all come as weak, weak to him. They don't come strong to him. They all come to weak to him. So he automatically is kind to them. His wife sees such says, why are you kind to that one? Well, she was not harsh. If she is harsh, she will walk away from there. We need to realize, simple lesson wives need to realize is that just be what God created you to be. Be a weak vessel. Don't be, when you go out to the world, be strong. Be strong. We need strong women in the world. Spiritual, strong women in the world. Okay? Strong women. When you come home, don't be that militant woman before your husband. Because he simply will not show kindness. Okay? The first facet about love is kindness. Love is kind. Love is not a feeling, okay? It's not a feeling. The first facet of art is, I mean, like we, when we say, kindness can save almost any marriage, mm. any relationship, kindness. But kindness is usually shown to the one who is weak. Mm. We are weak, and God knows, even think we are strong, God knows we are weak. So he's kind to us. He's kind to us, no? Okay? And this is where I s- we see the struggle <coughs> that is coming over there, no? And what happens? Because the woman is actually fighting for the kindness, kind attention of her husband, she fights for it the wrong way, by becoming more and more harsh. That is why in First Peter chapter 3, it is telling what is beautiful in the sight of God is a gentle and a meek spirit. It's, it's almost impossible for a man to be unkind to a gentle and meek spirit. It's not possible. It's not possible. So if you, if you just be what God has 
called you to be, your marriage is not on the rocks. It is on the rock, mm. built on the rock. You know, it's as simple as that. It's simple as that. Okay? And this is the constant thing which we always hear. If you ask a man, what's your problem with, what is your major issue with your wife? And say so she's too harsh. It's too harsh. Okay. And if you ask with a woman, what's your problem with your husband? He's kind to everybody else. Why can't you be kind to me? It's a constant refrain I've heard a thousand times or more. But you will realize this is what God created. Man to protect the woman, the woman to come under his protection. Now you can only protect the weak. Protect the weak. Now with this entire generation has gone wonky with gender studies and gender fluidity. Man doesn't know what he is. The woman doesn't know what she is. It's, it is prime for destruction. So God says the church has to come back to the truth. Men have to be men. Women have to be women. Meaning men have to be masculine and harshness is not masculine. Strength and kindness is masculine. Mm. Okay, Harshness is not masculine. Okay, strength and kindness is masculineness. And a gentle and a meek spirit is feminine. Mm. It is feminine. It is feminine. And that's how it works. And you will realize, you know, you don't need magic to make a marriage work. All you need is kindness. All you need is kindness. And when the woman becomes harsh, what she is teaching is her daughters to be harsh and her sons to be weak. And when the man becomes harsh, you know what is happening? He's teaching his sons to be harsh and his daughters to be fearful. Okay, and that's not the way God said it. God said it. God said it's a different way. So we all learn from our mistakes and we change the way we are. Change the way we are, you know. And you will see families will work. And then we put a front before the world which is real. No, you have strong men and kind and gentle women. It's a picture. And that, that's a picture of Christ and the church. No, what is Christ? It's a strong, kind man. Mm. And what's the church? A meek and a gentle spirit. Mm. You know, it's meek and a gentle spirit. And that's what God says. And, but remember, your marriage is under attack. And if you are not married, your marriage will be under attack. So get the pictures very, 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 very clearly. Because Christian marriages, the devil hates. That's why all the wonky things have come from the West. The definition of marriage, everything has changed, came from the West. Because it's Christian, at least in culture. So it has to be destroyed there. Pagan world will receive it. Pagan world has nothing hard and fast. They will flip whichever way the wind blows. Where we were supposed to be standing. And there it fell, it will take over everywhere. Yes? We will stop with that. Pastor, uh, huh? Because it's going to be election time. Yeah. One last question. Okay. Can the will of God be changed by a praying man? If so, how? No. Actually, in praying, the man discovers the, the will, will of, of God. God. Yes. Discovers the will of God. Even if you think you changed the will of God in your prayer, that was actually, actually the, the will, will of God. God. Amen. He just <coughs> hid his face from you so that you would, in your prayer closet, discover the will of God discovered the will of God. I mean, let me tell you simply. Jonah went to Nineveh. Jonah preached one line message. Nineveh repented. 
Okay. So the question is, what was the will of God? Mm-hmm. Was it the salvation of Nineveh or the, the destruction, destruction of Nineveh? It was the destruction of Nineveh. Why send Jonah? Just destroy them. Destroy it, yes. I gave them a message. Right? Yeah. It was the will of God that Nineveh should be saved. So he sent them a messenger. If the destruction of Nineveh was God's will, there's no need to send it. Just send some fire down. Okay? So that is how we need to realize. By prayer can we change? No. We can't. If the will of God, I mean, in, for certain situations, the will of God is set, you cannot change. But I do believe you can delay the will of God. Hmm. Delay the will of God. Delay the will of God. Like, US will ultimately be destroyed. Be sure about it. Ultimately be destroyed. Because as long as US stands as it stands, the Antichrist cannot come. It will be destroyed. Ultimately it will fall apart. It's a final. If I'm right, Arnold Toynbee, the great historian, said 21 civilizations that were destroyed, 19 of them were destroyed by internal conflict and never from conflict from outside. The nation is unbelievably divided, divided. like never before. And a divided nation cannot survive. The divisions are deep-rooted. It is gone. So we can only delay it and not deny it. So we are not praying, Lord, make it again whole. It's not going to happen. There is no nation that is going to survive like that. So we are asking, Lord, delay it. Delay it. Let it come back. Let it become like its beginning. Let the latter rain fall. Let a great revival take place. Let missionaries and all go out from every nation. This thing. Give us a season. And then the end will come. Mm. That's what we are praying for. I don't ever believe U.S. Even Israel, we know, will be destroyed. Almost completely. They'll be run over by the Gentiles. All that is there. So there's nothing that will happen like that. But by prayer... We can delay. We can delay. Like, we can delay. So that is what we are asking, Lord. Delay it, Lord. Give us four more years, or four more years, or ten more years, or fifty, whatever that time is in God's hands. But right now, because an election in U.S. is for four years, we are asking for four years. If the four years go well, it could be extended. You know, extended, because you always look at God's character, God's God of salvation, of mercy, and not a God of judgment and vengeance. He has to judge when you cross the tipping point. Okay? Then he has to judge. So we pray. So we still believe. It's unbelievable election like never seen before. We still believe, still praying, hoping that he wins. Get four more years. But our prayer will not change. Even if he wins, the battle is not going to cease. Mm. Even more fears. Yes. It won't change. The devil won't give up. Devil won't give up. So our that's what I said. Our preaching schedule will change the after prayer. in November. Our prayer schedule will not change. We still have to keep praying because even if he wins, we have to pray for the great awakening. Even if he loses, we have to pray for even more strength and resilience to stand for what we know is true and not buckle under pressure. So the prayer cannot change. It cannot change. Word is already locked up in plenty there for people to go back and listen to. But prayer is life. You have to pray according to today's situation. You cannot pray, oh, listen to my prayer in 2015 and it will know. We have to pray as the Spirit moves today. The Word of God is forever set. It is there. Yes? Amen. We'll pray. Yes, Pastor. 
Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. This last day of October, final closing hours for us in this side. We just commit everything in thy hands. Tomorrow a new day dawns, Lord. We don't know which way it is, but with you it is always good. In the world it may be bad or good, but with you it's always good. You will never change your nature. You are good. You are always good all the time. For your children, your kiss and your rod of discipline both are good. So we welcome both, Lord. All we praise, Lord, have mercy, mercy, mercy on us and the whole world, Lord. Yes. Give us time, Lord. The world, most of the world doesn't know you. They're blinded. Gospel is blocked. We need a, we need a season of peace, order, so that the gospel can go to the ends of the world. But we leave it to you. We can see only in part. You see in full. So all we can praise, Lord, have mercy, mercy, mercy on U.S. Have mercy on President Trump. Extend your hand, mighty hand, Lord, over him and over the nation. Let your will come to pass, Lord. Thank you, Father. Commit ourselves and the church into thy hands tomorrow, 1st of November, Sunday. As we come to your table, prepare us tonight to come there, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Commit everybody into thy hands. Be with us. Go before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.